This episode is brought to you by Maui Nui Venison, wildly delicious venison. Maui Nui is one of my favorite things on the entire planet. It has been for quite a while. I've been eating Maui Nui Venison for now the past three plus years, and there's no going back. My pantry and freezers are full of it. I restock every month. Why would I do this? One, if I combine Maui Nui Venison with even a little exercise, I drop body fat unbelievably quickly. And Axis deer have roughly 2% body fat. It's incredibly lean. Two, it's very tender, not gamey at all, tastes delicious, and it's one of the most nutrient-dense meats on the planet. I would go so far as to say it is the most nutrient-dense meat I have ever found because of the rich volcanic soils, remarkable plant diversity, and so on, including wild grazing. So I literally, 10 minutes ago, just finished eating some leftovers of ground axis deer. This is Maui Nui venison with some canned chili, just organic chili, beans and so on that I put into a pan and cooked for 10 minutes. And I would rather eat that than a $500 meal in New York City. Honestly, it makes me happier on a deep level to eat this. And it makes me healthier on a fundamental level. Levels. So number three, ethically, I feel great about Maui Nui protein. Axis deer are an invasive species on Maui where their population needs to be managed in order to protect vulnerable ecosystems. I think the number that was introduced was perhaps maybe six deer in 1959, something like that. And unmanaged, that population could grow to, I think it's 200,000 within the next 20 years. So using stress-free harvesting methods, Maui Nui prevents environmental destruction caused by axis deer overpopulation, which literally looks like wildfire damage from helicopter. So back to the story. I love this stuff that much. Should be clear, I eat it all the time. I use their dog treats for Molly. I use <laughs> their broth, which is second to none in terms of nutritional profile. Maui Nui's fresh venison is a nearly daily go-to for me both as a supplement to my daily diet, that's broth, jerks, snacks, et cetera, that I mentioned, and through main courses like last night via their fresh meat subscription program. And the cuts are all spectacular. Leg medallions are one of my favorites. I fell in love with this company so much and the husband and wife co-founders behind it that I ended up investing. And that is a huge rarity, especially with this type of company. Tim Ferriss Show listeners can get 15% off of practically everything Maui Nui is offering by visiting MauiNuiVenison.com slash Tim. Just use code Tim at checkout. This is the first discount they have made available in more than a year, so you are getting something special, folks. That's MauiNuiVenison.com slash Tim, spelled M-A-U-I-N-U-I, Venison. MauiNuiVenison.com slash Tim, and use code Tim at checkout. You can also find the link in this episode's description. This episode is brought to you by Allform. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you've probably heard me talk about Helix Sleep and their mattresses, which I've been using since 2017. I have two of them upstairs from where I'm sitting at this moment. Helix has gone beyond the bedroom and started making sofas. They've launched a company called Allform, A-L-L-F-O-R-M, and they're making premium customizable sofas and chairs shipped right to your door at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. So I'm sitting in my living room right now, and it's entirely all-form furniture. I've got two chairs, I've got an ottoman, and I have an L-sectional couch, and I'll come back to that. You can pick your fabric. They're all spill, stain, and scratch resistant. The sofa color 
the color of the legs, the sofa size, the shape to make sure it's perfect for you in your home. Also, all form arrives in just three to seven days and you can assemble it all yourself in a few minutes. No tools needed. I was quite astonished by how modular and easy these things fit together, kind of like Lego pieces. They've got armchairs, love seats, all the way up to an eight seat sectional. So there's something for everyone. You can also start small and kind of build on top of it if you wanted to get a smaller couch and then build out on it, which is actually in a way what I did because I can turn my L-sectional couch into a normal straight couch and then with a separate ottoman in a matter of about 60 seconds. It's pretty rad. So I mentioned I have all of these different things in this room. I use the natural leg finish, which is their lightest color, and I dig it. I mean, I've been using these things hours and hours and hours every single day. So I am using what I am sharing with you guys. And if getting a sofa without trying it in-store sounds risky, you don't need to worry. All form sofas are delivered directly to your home with fast free shipping, and you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. That's more than three months, and if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. Your sofa frame also has a forever warranty that's literally forever. So check it out. Take a look. They've got all sorts of cool stuff to choose from. I was skeptical and it actually worked. It worked much better than I could have imagined. And I'm very, very happy. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash Tim. That's A-L-L-F-O-R-M.com slash Tim. Allform is offering 20% off all orders to you, my dear listeners, at allform.com slash Tim. Make sure to use the code Tim at checkout. That's allform.com slash Tim and use code Tim at checkout. Optimal minimal. At this altitude, I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start shaking. Can I answer your personal question? Now it is seen in a perfect time. What if I did the opposite? I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over a metal endoskeleton. Welcome to another episode of The Tim Ferriss Show, where it is usually my job to interview and deconstruct world-class performers, to tease out the routines, habits, and so on that you can apply in your own lives. This episode is something different. It is an exploration of my creative process, how I think about first principles in a bunch of different areas, and how to get serious things done without being serious all the time and burning out. This is an unusual conversation. And in this case, I am the guest and Kevin Rose is the host. Who is Kevin besides being one of my best friends? Kevin is a technologist, serial entrepreneur, world-class investor, self-experimenter, and all-around wild and crazy guy. You can find him on Twitter at Kevin Rose. For more on the project discussed in this, and I can't believe I'm saying this on my podcast after 600 plus episodes and 900 million plus downloads, whatever it might be at this point. For more on the project discussed, the legend of Cockpunch. That's right, folks. Visit cockpunch.com and follow on Twitter at cockpunch. <laughs> uh, what glee. Mint date is coming up soon. And uh, there's a lot of wink-wink inside jokes here. So make sure to follow that Twitter account, meaning at Cockpunch for news, as well as at T Ferris. That's my main Twitter account, T-F-E-R-R-I-S-S. And if you want extra credit, at Tim Tim Nifties, N-I-F-T-I-E-S. I will also be announcing next steps via my newsletter. That's the Five Bullet Friday newsletter that has several million people on it. And you can sign up at tim.blog slash Friday. Please note before anyone goes crazy on the internet, 
100% of NFT primary sale proceeds from this project are being donated to the SciSafe Foundation. That is one of the main drivers behind the whole thing, is fundraising in a creative way. So all funds from the primary sales are going to SciSafe Foundation. SciSafeFoundation.org is where you can learn a lot more. It is a registered 501c3 nonprofit private foundation that funds cutting-edge scientific research and other initiatives related to psychedelic medicine, mental health therapeutics for conditions like complex PTSD, treatment-resistant depression, and so on, and much more. Again, you can find a list of projects, including a lot of firsts that have been accomplished through various grants at SciSafeFoundation.org. The episode you're about to hear was originally published on the Proof Podcast. It's a great podcast hosted by Kevin, which provides in-depth NFT coverage. The Proof Podcast is part of Proof, broadly speaking. Proof is creating community-centric products that celebrate art, connect collectors, and activate creative entrepreneurship. Under the Proof umbrella, they have the Proof Collective, a private collective of 1,000 dedicated NFT collectors and artists. There's also Grails, which I'm actually a part of, and I put out my first short fiction story ever as an NFT as part of Grails. There is Grails, which is the proof curated collections with artists revealed post-mint. That'll mean something to some people out there and not much to others. Then there's Moonbirds, of course, a collection of 10,000 utility-enabled PFPs featuring a diverse pool of traits. There's more, and then there's much more. Kevin is doing a phenomenal job. I suggest you check out what they are doing. Find proof at proof.xyz and at proof underscore xyz on Twitter. And now, after that long intro, thanks for sticking with it, let's take a trip to crazy town, shall we? I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did, and here goes nothing. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Proof that covers all things NFTs, including a brand new project done by none other than Tim Tim Ferris. Tim, welcome to the show. So great to be here. Good to see you, brother. Dude, good to see you. <laughs> Sorry, I have a new... <laughs> And for those who have not seen what happened before we press record, I've I've been enjoying nonstop sound effects of every possible type because Kevin has a new toy. That's right. I do. <laughs> and, uh, you know, investor dollars put to good work here. We have a, we have our um, own little soundboard now, which is awesome. No, in all seriousness, though, um, it is nice to actually have a somewhat uh, professional studio. It'll be very professional once we actually have a real home home. Although this is coming together quite nicely. Mal's done a fantastic job setting it up and we actually have, you know, real mics, real lighting, things of that nature. Yeah, so it's great. Cool. I like, I like the purple background effect that you have working for you. It brings out your eyes. You know, what's crazy. Thank you. Uh, first of all, <laughs> and, uh, it's crazy that we just moved in here. This is actually a temporary space. Uh, a couple days ago, and Mal rushed to get this set up. So it's um, good job, Mal. Good job. Looks excellent. But um, yeah, so dude, this is crazy because you know we've been talking NFTs for a long time now. Long you time. were very gracious to to you know let me uh, chat your ear off about NFTs on the random show and talk about you know the early stuff and the early proof past days, and then obviously in the moon, the chaos that became Moonbirds. Um, <laughs> but you know, people what people may not know is that you immediately went all in as you, as one does the, especially you and went deep and we really started going, um, you know, crazy with NFTs, uh, especially around our trip to Marfa, Texas. Yeah. I remember when we went out there and you started I buying do. some serious like chromie squiggles, like you, you yep. got some great NFTs as a collector first, right? Collector first. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I haven't, 
than that has been for me. I mean, I really haven't showcased any collections of any type. I've just been collecting to scratch my own itch and to explore the world of NFTs, which I think for a lot of folks has been entered through the gateway drug of NFT artwork. And as someone who's been very, not just interested in, but involved in art from a production perspective, right? From an illustrator perspective, a lot of that background is, is, or has been invisible to, I think, a lot of folks who have read my writing or have listened to the podcast is that prior to all of that, my plan was to be a comic book penciler for 10 plus years. And worked, it's not too late. It's not too late. And worked in illustration and paid a lot of my way through college expenses and so on with illustrating books and magazines and acting as a graphics editor and so on. So uh, I've I've been very, very interested in all of these intersections uh, within the kind of Venn diagram of NFTs. And also our background goes way, way back in terms of early stage tech, experimenting with new tools mm-hmm. and playing with these technology. That, that goes, I mean, certainly way back, you even further than I, but for me, 2007, 2008 at the latest. Uh, so this has uh, provided a really fun opportunity to re-engage with all sorts of things uh, that I'm interested in. I feel like that is one of the things that you and I bonded over very early on where, you know, I was more obviously on, on definitely on the tech side and the angel investing side. You were just kicking off your career as an author and angel investor. And then you were into big, big into biohacking, which I was always curious yeah. about, but you were like, you know, in order of magnitude more sophisticated in terms of like your understanding of published papers and the literature and all that stuff. So I would just kind of follow what you were doing, except for the stuff that got you in the hospital or other things. But I, 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 yeah. I kind of fast follow where it was where it appropriate. I could give you the, the, the do not try at home list also. So I could save you. I could save you some hospital visits, which, you know, that's what friends are for. Yeah, exactly. And then we would, you know, do angel deals together, try out new technologies together, things like that. And so, you know, when I got into NFTs and all that and, and knowing your love for art, it makes sense that you would would then venture into the space and, and kick the tires. Now, that said, it's November 8th as of this recording. NFTs might be dead right now. We don't know because it's, it's, <laughs> it's been a hell of a day. It's been a very it's exciting been a hell day. Of a few days. Hell of a few days. Yeah, very exciting. <laughs> I mean, exciting in, in the way that like an avalanche is exciting, perhaps, but right. exci- exciting yeah, nonetheless. You, you like to watch kind of, but you should be far <laughs> enough away, but sadly yeah. we're right in the middle of it. So. Yeah, better, better on video instead of being on one ski going going directly into the avalanche. But, you know, some people choose to ride the bear. Some people choose to do something else. <laughs> Dangerous <laughs> hobbies. Great t-shirt for you. Ride the bear. Ride the bear. <laughs> um, so let's talk about uh, your your project like can we uh, what would be a good where would be a good place to start would would it would it be with the kind of uh the idea of a a pfp or if if you consider this a pfp or can we what can we what can we say and what can't we say about the project right now well i think because ultimately you and i will uh sit around and have martinis and decide when pub date is I can just yeah. go for it and we can get yeah, into the nitty gritty and then we can release it when it makes sense. But I think it might make sense to start at the beginning in so much as, let's see here. So early 2021, 
you and I were having a conversation and you're like, you got to look more closely at these NFT things. And I think maybe prior to that, or maybe just after that, the timing is slightly lost on me. I think it would have been just before that. I don't remember the exact date. I'd had Katie Hahn on the podcast and we talked about NFTs. And then you had encouraged me in early 2021 to roll up my sleeves and actually start using some of the tools and oh to God. and to buy NFTs. Those phone calls. Yeah, those phone calls. The MetaMask support phone calls. Oh God, it's just like remedial, well, you know, walking <laughs> your great grandmother through buying the first <laughs> NFT. Sorry about that, Kev Kev. But I appreciated the <laughs> okay. uh yeah, yeah, the the one oh one uh sort of short school bus help there. And it made me very, very excited on a couple of levels. So to explain why I need to give a bit of additional context. So there were a lot of things that came together for me at once. One was new tech. Always interesting to me, uh, especially when there is some type of on-ramp slash Trojan horse that allows a lot of, let's just call them not obviously early tech candidates to become involved with early tech, if that makes any sense, right? Mm -hmm. if, if there's some type of like muggle pathway for someone like me to get involved. Really interesting. The next was for, I would say, two or three years, probably two or three years at that point, I'd have to go back and look. I had been brainstorming, trying to brainstorm ways to run a I suppose, let's call it contemporary art auction with donated artwork to raise money for my foundation, Saisei Foundation, which supports a lot of the early stage. It has supported and continues to support a lot of the early stage cutting edge science related to psychedelic therapeutics and addressing so-called intractable psychiatric conditions of all different types. So complex PTSD, OCD, uh, anorexia nervosa, a pretty broad spectrum of difficult to treat conditions. I had been trying for a long time <laughs> to try to put together something resembling a physical contemporary art auction. And as soon as I saw the mechanics and the marketplaces involved with NFTs, I thought to myself, wait a second, there may be a bunch of other options here that don't involve putting on the knee pads and begging fill in the blank, like agent of artist X to give me a canvas, which it turns out they hate doing generally. I was like, right. there, there may be a more elegant solution here that allows me to also experiment with the technology. And then on top of that, uh, and if, if anybody goes back, if they've been following my Instagram for a while, they will have seen over the last two or three years, various attempts on my behalf to get back into using my hands to produce artwork. So you'll see uh, experimentations with charcoal, you'll see experimentations with pencil, with pastels, with different types of uh, different media to mm -hmm. get back into the physical production of artwork. And so I saw in NFTs a great combination of excuses to engage firsthand. So that's when the wheels started to get moving. And I would say, uh, at that point, began all of the most ridiculous ideas imaginable, right? Popping into my head for what I might do if I were to do something in NFTs. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> and at first, it was it was what could I do that would be really easy? 
uh, that would be exciting for me, lightweight, fun. And then as it went on, my uh, my desire, I guess, got more and more ambitious and elaborate in terms of folding into a potential art project, which is how I viewed it. These things I wanted to explore, but had never really had the incentive to explore in a real way, like fiction and world building. And uh, last but not least, kind of revisiting all the things that made me happy as a 12 and 13 year old. So... <laughs> Uh, I've spent a lot of time with a bunch of people I respect recently, and almost all of them have been discovering and resurrecting joys of theirs later in life that were core to their enjoyment as a 12 or 13-year-old. So when all of these ingredients in the cocktail then got kind of shaken up and stirred over the last, let's just call it, I guess, what the hell is it now, a year and a half? Mm-hmm. Uh, that has led, I guess, in the last nine months and especially in the last six months to this project that is going to launch now in the next few weeks, which is pretty crazy to think about at the arguably the worst possible time to launch anything uh, ever in NFTs, which I'm, ag- yeah. uh, which I'm actually very pleased by in a way because Number one, if I were doing it just for a money grab, this would be the worst time imaginable to do it. I could have done, you know, I could have farted out some really terrible artwork and done something long ago. I decided not to do that. Uh, and I should say up front, like 100% of the primary proceeds are going to my foundation. So that's, that's that. Uh, and that piece of the experiment is important to me. Uh, also, when the markets are really bad, and you think back to when I first got involved with the angel investing, like 2008 to 2010. I mean, that was kind of a dot-com depression and it was just the best time to be in the game because it was when the true believers were left on the field. Do you know what I mean? Like all the fair weather mm-hmm. folks had to split. They just took off. Uh, oh, that's happened. Yeah, it's yeah, happened. Yeah, that's happened. Oh, oh, yeah, no. I mean, all of the uh, sort of the, uh, the, I shouldn't say weak, but all of the casual tourists in the herd have been called already. And... Uh, it forces you, and by you, I just, I guess I'll just say me, to think about all of this much more creatively and to come back to first principles and think about like, okay, why am I doing this? How can I make sure that I stay true to certain priorities, like fun and play being the absolute core of all of my decisions around this? Uh, so I'm having a hell of a time, man. And you've seen it. You've seen it in me because we've hung out so much and had so many conversations. Like it has been, let's see here, since publishing Tribe of Mentors that came out, I want to say 2016, 2017, it's been five years since I've been this energized by anything as a public facing project. It's great to see that in you. Um, But I'm curious, like if... What does this mean for you? Where does this fit in your in your career? In the sense that, let's assume you get everything you want out of this project. Yeah. Um, obviously, you have some primary sales coming in that goes to your foundation. Hundred yep. percent of that that money goes in. Yep. That's great. That's awesome for the foundation. But we know royalties are up in the air right now. Who knows what yeah, the heck's yeah, going to happen yeah. with the royalties? Yeah, big time. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what is a what's a win for Tim over the long term here? Like. 
what does this project turn into? Because I, I think if, if, a, if I'm putting my uh, devil's advocate hat on, which I love that onion post devil's advocate uh, turns out just to be asshole. Um, people, <laughs> put on your asshole hat. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> put my asshole hat. I'm ready. People will say like, okay, uh, celebrity, um, NFTs. We've seen this playbook before. PFPs, we've seen this playbook before. Yeah, yeah. But what I what I know, and the reason I'm asking this question is because I know what you're doing behind the scenes, which I think you're ready to share today. Yeah, I'll is share a lot a cooler than yeah. than just checking boxes. Uh, and and obviously you're not doing it for this, this for the money. So what what is what's the creative win for you? Yeah, shit, so much fucking work. Oh my god, if I did like my hourly on this, I'm working at Burger King. It's fucking hilarious. Right. Uh, anyway, so the win for me is continuing to play the game. So that is... What's the game? Effectively a quote from uh, Cars and sort of the finite versus infinite games side of things. So the game here is giving myself uh, compelling excuses slash reasons to engage with creative muscles that I ha- that I have, but I haven't exercised in a very long time. And one way to do that is through something that I'm reasonably comfortable with, but that I haven't done in a very long time, and that's visual art. Right? I have very, very, very acute visual senses. I have pretty good fine motor control. And I can also, I've realized through this process, work with artists really well. That's new for me. I've always been the artist when I've designed, say, all of my book covers with the exception of Tools of Titans. Like I des- I designed all of those book covers through sketches and then had them professionalized and polished, obviously, to get ready for actual printing. But the visual piece is something I feel I feel like a whole human being again when I'm engaged with. And it feels so good. It feels so good. But I need I need reasons to do that because when all I'm trying when all I'm trying to do is say take a lesson with a teacher once a week, other things crowded out, right? Other things crowded out. Life gets mm-hmm. in the way, and I'm you know trying to adult my life as best as possible. I'm like, oh well, that's not important. That's optional. But when I have a team, and when I have a project, and when I have deadlines, <laughs> the magic is that shit gets done. And I actually yeah. do a lot more art. So I, I mean, I have in my bag right now, I took it with me to a coffee shop, a huge sketchbook. I have an, an, an iPad with Procreate, Procreate on it that I have still not figured out how to use. I've just been putting it off because I'm enjoying scribbling in my notebook so much. So that's, that's part of the game that I want to continue is the visual art. The other side of and there are many pieces to this game but one of the games that i want to really continue to uh engage with is fiction so i've spent so much time as a non-fiction writer i mean a thousand plus blog posts right thousands of pages of published material in the books let alone the other thousands upon thousands of pages that were cut from those and the drafts that were thrown out, and so on. Nonfiction is an incredible craft. It is super interesting and challenging in a million ways. However, I think when it's done best, generally, you're a really good architect, 
and then you do a ton of research and you assemble all the materials. And then a lot of it is carpentry, right? Like you're just, you're putting together what you laid out in the blueprint. And that has its own creative challenges. But what I, what I really have enjoyed about playing with fiction and what back in the day I enjoyed so much in D&D, Dungeons and Dragons, right? By the way, I still have all of my modules, all of my books, all of my maps, all of my 20-sided die and four-sided die from when I was a kid playing D&D. I kept all of it. I still have it to this That's day. That's awesome. I wish I would have kept some of mine. I have all of it. It's literally in a room about 20 feet away from me right now. And what I enjoyed so much about D&D, whether I was the dungeon master or a player, and what I have enjoyed so much about art, and what I've enjoyed so much about now doing fictional world building, this is coming back to the question of what game I want to continue playing, is that you can set these initial conditions or set a situation, say with a character or with two warring clans or with, in the case of Dungeon Master, it might just be a setting in a particular campaign with different characters and here's the opening scene. And then you go from there. So even I, in this case as the writer per se, do not know what the ending is going to be. I have no idea what's going to be around corner number seven. And that is fun for me, right? I'm not yeah. just putting together brick by brick the building that I already know the finished look of. That's not the case at all. So what I would can love- I, Can I ask you a yeah. question Sure. about that though? I mean, what, what you're saying is you're talking about writing, but we're also talking about NFTs. So I, I think what we're missing is- The connection. How that thread is connected. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, like yep. what, are you, because I would say most NFT projects, they'll say, hey, we're the, the crazy, you know, buff squirrels or whatever. And then you've got like <laughs> the squirrel page. And then there's some copy about the lore of the squirrels and how yeah, they got yeah, their yeah. anabolics and like all these things it's, that go down. <laughs> and then, and then that's kind of it, right? It's like yeah, a page yeah. and you're like, okay, that's all. Yeah. all right, you're talking, this isn't just a one pager. This is the characters. I buy this and no, I'm done. No, it's not a one pager. Now, I, you know, I want to be clear. I'm not committing to writing you know, the uh, half version of Game of Thrones novels. or something. Yeah, it's not 12 novels, <laughs> but I have spent hundreds of hours thinking about world building. So the, what is the NFTs here for me are a project with uh, deadlines, with deliverables that keep me on track in thinking and engaging with art and fiction writing. So what this means in practical terms is that this project, when it comes out, will have, I'll give you some of the specifics. So it's going to have eight primary great houses. These are like clans. And they're going to have different characteristics, different strengths, different weaknesses, different cultures, different religions, different natural resources. I mean, there's going to be a lot of fucking detail. Uh, and... This has been written. I've already written this. Uh, and furthermore, I've already hired a primary voice actor. There will probably, probably, I, I say probably meaning hopefully be more to perform these as also, this is an exclusive newsflash. Wah, 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 wah. Oh, I'll do the sound effect myself. <laughs> uh, it will also be a podcast. So limited edition 
see season one of a podcast that will have this lore performed. And that will come out in drips and drabs so that people can slowly sort of look through the haze and begin to piece this world together. There's there are going to be a lot of embedded secrets and mysteries and mythologies that folks, if they're interested, will really be able to explore. And in some mm -hmm. cases, we'll have to piece together. So all of that writing is being done. And uh, that's already in process. You've got these these houses. You have maps. Like I have art to review right now related to refinements to a map, like a, a lay of the land of the known mm -hmm. territory per se. And the writing then thus far has been related to a lot of the backstory and the histories. Mm-hmm. But the conditions are now set in sort of the present day, and there will be at least one primary figure, character, who's going to be very nebulous in a way. I shouldn't say nebulous, but physically he will be at this point sort of unknown, uh, who will be telling the story or rather trying to piece together the story himself. And he's a stand-in in a way for the listener or the reader. And so how do NFTs figure into all of this? It keeps me on track because if I were just writing this, I don't have any desire to write a fiction book right now. Mm -hmm. Putting it out as a blog post or a series of blog posts could be interesting, but it's kind of like a fart on a crowded train. Like, will anybody notice? Maybe somebody will notice, but it's not, it doesn't have the gravitas or the connective tissue to really hold collective attention and mm -hmm. to foster sort of collective imagination. Uh, whereas if you have an NFT, you have people with skin in the game, you certainly have me with skin in the game. Uh, you have a team, I mean a team. I have a, I have a very small team is focused on this for right now. Uh, the game I want to continue playing is really engaging with developing the art. And if I look at, for instance, like the first history that I wrote for one of these clans, and I look at the last, I can see a tremendous, and this is not my words, this is from a number of proofreaders, like a tremendous amount of progress. Like I am getting better at doing this. And that's super fucking exciting. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm an, I don't think I'm the world's best or anything close to a great fiction writer right now, but I have been studying it. I've been going back. I've been reading the classes. I've been listening to podcasts and listening to lectures on world building, on systems of magic, all sorts of things. I've been paying attention. And so it's getting mm. better. And I know there's so much room left for improvement. So basically, that is the game I want to continue to play. Oh, let, I have so let, many questions. Yeah. Let me throw in a huge caveat, right? So Wait, let me... All right, go, go yeah, for go, it. Go yeah, give me the caveat first. Well, the caveat is if by engaging with NFTs and Web3, I just need to deal with a bunch of dicks on the internet all the time, then all bets are off. Then I'm like, all right, right. fine. Like, I'm not going to continue to just take, you know, body shots on the internet if, right. if, it's, if it's energy draining. So the reason I'm doing it right now is because I am getting so much energy from it. It's so fucking fun. And it's been a long time since I have felt that. And I, so, so I pay attention to that just in terms of like, why this, why that? It's like, what is giving me energy? Which people are giving yeah. me energy? Let me double down on that. So right now it means doubling down on this.
Just a quick thanks to one of our sponsors, and we'll be right back to the show. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I get asked all the time what I would take if I could only take one supplement. The answer is invariably AG1 by Athletic Greens. If you're traveling, if you're just busy, if you're not sure if your meals are where they should be, it covers your bases. With approximately 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, you'll be hard-pressed to find a more nutrient-dense formula on the market. It has a multivitamin, multimineral greens complex, probiotics and prebiotics for gut health, an immunity formula, digestive enzymes, and adaptogens. You get the idea. Right now, Athletic Greens is giving my audience a special offer on top of their all-in-one formula, which is a free vitamin D supplement and five free travel packs with your first subscription purchase. Many of us are deficient in vitamin D. I found that true for myself, which is usually produced in our bodies from sun exposure. So adding a vitamin D supplement to your daily routine is a great option for additional immune support. Support your immunity, gut health, and energy by visiting athleticgreens.com slash Tim. You'll receive up to a year's supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your subscription. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Tim. The, the thing about the NFT space that is so challenging for me and everyone else building in it is that, you know, a, a year ago or close to a year ago, if you'd asked me as someone that's a builder, how far out do you plan when you're building product yeah. in general? I would have told you, you know, kind of eight to 12 months type world. That's very much a web two kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, and then when I got into NFTs, I was like, oh shit, well, we shouldn't be planning more than six months out. That's just chaos, right? Yeah. Then I cut that down to three months. And now I'm in about 30 days. <laughs> so I feel like anything above and beyond and that far out is dangerous because you promise something. The, this community, the people that are NFT collectors, um, maybe it's because the blockchain is just so transparent in general. They, 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 they tend to, and this isn't everyone, but the the folks that I interact with, they they want a level of transparency and understanding about where the project is going, how ambitious yeah. ambitious is the project, and you know what do you hope to uh, build eventually? And so, yeah. I think that's the challenging part is is like figuring out, especially with you, Tim, because Tim, you have such a massive podcast, a massive following on yeah. the other end of the spectrum, which is the more kind of like normies, not the web three folks, right? <laughs> normies. But yes. if, you, if you go in and say, Hey, every single episode is going to be plugged in this NFT collection. And you know, it's, it's like, I'm going to put a lot of effort in this because there is a world where Tim Ferriss has the power to release comic books, to release yep. graphic novels, yep. to, to do, you know, miniature series on Netflix. Like there yep. is a world where you could pull that off because you are the type of human that has the wherewithal, the knowledge, the, the, you know, the fan base, all of that to make this happen. Yep. I guess like the, the really difficult question is like, how serious are you with this? Cause you just mentioned, <laughs> eh, if I don't like the crowd, I might, I might pull back a bit. Like that's going to be the number one question you get. Right. Yeah. So I can, I can, let me take a stab. Uh, this is, this is, uh, this is one of my, my favorite topics. Cause I, I get to be the salty cantankerous old man, which I'm, I'm really embracing these days. So all of those considerations that you just mentioned, right? Like what's your roadmap? It has this, has this, has this, has this comes down to, uh, if we don't want to you know, call it by too fancy a name, people just wanting to know 
if they're guaranteed to make a quick buck, right? <laughs> By and large, they're like, can I buy this and then flip it for 0.2 ETH more two seconds later or five I, let days? Me, I mean, you can push back, but let me just say- I will say 90% of people in this environment are exactly that. There are yep. 10% of us that will say, I want to bet on Tim Ferriss over the long term. Yes. So yes. I want to come in and, and yes. own this because I know he's, he's going to create something great. I agree. So there are exceptions. I will say the default is a lot of folks who just want free money for no effort. And that world sometimes exists. There are windows of opportunity, but really that dynamic rarely turns out very well for the individual or collectively speaking. So to come back to how serious I am, I am so fucking serious about what I am creating right now, but I am not in any way afraid of the mob in the sense that I am going to let all of my creative decisions be dictated by what the lowest common denominator of day traders wants. Does that make sense? I have mm. zero interest mm -hmm. in that. And also, I don't need it. Like, I don't need... There's, I mean, just based on the amount of work I've put into this, I could figure out a way to do like compilation interview based book and call it a day with far less work, right? So the, right. So the drivers for this are different. And less people complaining for sure. Oh my God. Yeah. Because people who buy a book aren't like, how is this going to pay for my you know, car down my payment or whatever? Yeah. yeah. My kid's college, yeah. which nobody, I don't think anybody should in put money into speculative anything for for uh any type of important output right it's just too it's just too risky and uh, you know there are risks intrinsic to a project there are risks also inherent to just macro factors that are beyond anyone's control i mean aka look at the last week <laughs> i mean for fuck's yeah. sake so you know look if if you want something safe NFTs ain't it, folks. So with that having been said, so I'm very, very serious. And uh, I got some sage advice early on, which was uh, from a, a different friend, although you, you can confirm or deny uh, whether or not you echoed this in some sense, but it's like either promise and promise a lot and then deliver or promise nothing and set expectations very, very low, which is my default with everything. It has been my default with almost every project I've ever done. Because if I set expectations low, there's nothing but upside surprise for people. So, right. Except that you just told them that. I and mean, now they're like, oh, he's setting the expectations well, low. I'm buy it. Well, I mean, I am setting expectations <laughs> low. But here, let me, this will be fun. Why don't I, so there's going to be an FAQ on some kind of mint pagers or website dedicated to the project, right? So <laughs> here are a few of the drafts. Of, oh, your facts? Of, you have my you facts. Ask questions? Yeah, yeah. Do these nice. NFTs come with utility, a roadmap, and a Discord? There's no planned utility, no planned roadmap, and no planned Discord, but there might be a few surprises. It's a big experiment that I've been thinking about and planning for the better part of a year, dot, 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 dot. And then, then there's some other stuff, right? Now, I've given away a couple of things I wasn't going to mention to anybody prior to launch. I was actually going to make these surprises after the Mint, like the podcast and so on. But I've had a number of people say, hey, look, you're really excited about this. If you just hedge and say nothing, 
it's a kind of a disservice to the whole thing. So you might as well mention a right. couple of them. Okay. So uh, here, here's another one. Should I consider this an investment? That's a question. And my draft so far is absolutely not. No, this is an art experiment and you're getting funny and highly stylized JPEGs that are part of a fictional world. That's it. And then it goes on and on and on. And I just basically say, yeah. come into it expecting as you might, if you were to go to a casino and like spend a hundred dollars as entertainment money, much like you would spend money at a, at a movie theater. You don't expect to get your money back. You expect to have fun watching a movie, eat some popcorn and then go home. And, you know, hopefully I give people some soul enriching laughs along the way, as well as provide a fictional world that people engage with. But I do not want, nor am I positioned, I don't want this to be viewed as an investment and I'm definitely not positioning it that way. Right. Yeah. Uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong here, but some of these come with free dinners with you and jam <laughs> sessions. Is that correct? No, I don't promise any of these things. Uh, there's another one. Wait, can I read a few more of these? Now, I might have to change some of these, but there's another one that another uh, question on my frequently asked questions is, can I be a dick and expect benefits? <laughs> if you're a dick, I reserve the right to ban or block you from anything I do in the future. And then it goes on and on to basically say, like, I, I'm not planning on running an online preschool for children with behavioral problems. So if you're an idiot, I don't want you to be part of this world. I don't want you to have any yeah. benefits if there are any. So I will block you in whatever way I can. So uh, I just I just think the, the, the sort of norm of like being in a community such as online Twitter, which is like one of the one of the most unfriendly neighborhoods of the internet, and just like pissing on people's heads as they walk by on the sidewalk and throwing potted plants at them, is not acceptable to me. Uh, yeah, that's not the the culture that I want to foster. If culture is a byproduct in part of the worst behavior you're willing to accept, I want to set the rules really early. And I think you can do that. It'll be a challenge, certainly. But I was able to do that with, say, blog comments on my blog a long time ago. I was like, we're going to be cool. If you're not cool, you're going to get blocked. That's it. There's And there's no second chance. This isn't like three strikes you're out. It's like, no, you get one chance. Like if I invite you to dinner at my house and you like put your balls on the table and then like spit in my food, I'm like, okay, yeah, you're not coming back to dinner. That's that's one strike you're out. I think I've out. done that once at your house, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I didn't want to name it. I names, was invited back. It was a lot of tequila. <laughs> I gave you, I did give Kevin one pass on that. That's right. That's right. But, but here's another one. Okay. So one more FAQ and then I'll stop because I don't want to kind of rain on my own parade and undersell it. I'm trying to be very careful of that. Uh, but here's another one. Will you be involved with this forever? Forever, ever, forever, ever. And then I said, probably not. I'm not pounding the pavement for any of my books or TV shows anymore. And I wouldn't expect this to be all that different. I'll be involved for as long as I'm super stoked and it's massively energy giving instead of energy draining. You know, if I have to deal with a lot of idiots online and it's just nonstop punishment, I'll peace out and move on. Uh, my goal is always to create something that can thrive without me, but TBD, right? What I would love as a dream outcome, coming back to your question, is for this to go really well, for me to enjoy it. And then to say, you know what? I want to keep writing fiction. I want to keep producing artwork. Like I already have all these ideas for possible extensions and all sorts of stuff. And you know me, like I've thought about the possibilities for like derivative creations, right? I, I've thought right. a lot about these things. It doesn't mean they're going to happen. It absolutely doesn't mean they're going to happen, but it could. Uh, 
How, how do you think about, um, you know, there, there's, there has to be some fans of yours out there that they'll tune into this and say, uh, this sounds really cool. And I, I'm a fan of Tim's. I'm sure his, his sci-fi writing will be er, really interesting. Um, more, it's not more, sci-fi. It's more a, like fantasy, more like fantasy, fantasy, sorry. Fantasy yeah. writing will be really interesting. I too am into this because there's of course a lot of geeks out there that might be into fan fiction type stuff. Yeah. Um, is there a world where anyone can kind of kind of help out or do you see a world where you involve yeah. any community type involvement or this collaboration? Is a, this is an excellent question and I have not figured out where I land on it. I've talked to a ton of people about it and I don't know where I land yet. I don't know exactly where I, I land yet because there's there is such a broad spectrum of options and on one hand you've got kind of the Disney super enforcement Right. But as a, in part, as a result of that, I think they have very tight controls on sort of quality narrative character in such a way that these worlds have incredible longevity. Right. I mean, some of their Mm -hmm. characters and so on have just unbelievable multiple decade long longevity. If they oversaturate, so I'll I'll use Disney as as an example in this too. Like if suddenly there's, five Star Wars properties coming out every week, I think personally, okay, if you're someone on the exec team who's incentivized by shorter term stock performance, and that's going to benefit you and maybe your shareholders over the short term, that's fine. But you can also corrupt and damage a fictional world and characters very quickly by that oversaturation, right? Now, there are other examples of folks like, for for instance, uh, Hugh Howey with his book, Wool, which was this huge sleeper bestseller who is really supportive of all fan fiction, right? He's the opposite end of the spectrum. And uh, I think that both sides could make very compelling arguments as to why they're doing what they're doing. And then there's a lot in the middle. Right? There's a lot in the middle. Uh, so you might have, for instance, and this is where NFTs get so tricky. And somebody had asked me, like, if you could go long in Web3 on anything, what would it be? And I said, if I, <laughs> if I could go long on new generation intellectual property lawyers, if there were a way to do that, I would do that. Because this yeah. shit is so complicated. It is unbelievably complicated. Let, yeah. a, let alone like the accounting and tax and all that. I mean, it is so bleeding edge that very few people have any idea where the puck is going. On the yeah. IP side, right, you have situations where, for instance, certain holders of an NFT will have the commercial rights or not to their particular image. But they do not have commercial rights to say the name of the project, right? Because then what's the incentive of the project owner to sort of create a lot of brand equity value if it's just getting sliced and diced yeah. into a million pieces, right? That can cause all sorts of problems. And and you see this with a lot of the larger projects in the NFT space today, right? Yeah. So like, how do you thread the needle on that is, is there are sets of questions that consume so much I well for me at least like a lot of thinking that are invisible from the outside when you just see the output. But yeah, I I've, yeah. I'm doing a lot of reading on this and I'm talking to a lot of people about it. I'm not sure where I land yet. 
Yeah. So, I mean, you've got like Gary V, for example, protects all of his IP. So like the sacred sardine or whatever it can, it, it's like, it's only Gary's only he can use yeah. that. I don't yeah. know if sacred sardines a thing, but I'll just let's say it is. I like Probably it. Is. That might be um, my, my, my DJ name. <laughs> you've got that that's fully protected you know i've gone the cc0 route which is you know like nouns and cryptodes and a few other projects out there where we say the remixes the meme culture the extension of the brand into a thousand different nooks and crannies is going to be what gets us more visibility long term which yep. you know experiment we'll see what yeah. happens experiment and middle of the road kind of board apes like we'll we'll give you a little bit of you know you can go sell a coffee mug, just don't call it board apes, call it number six, five, whatever, you yeah. know? So any sense on which way you're leaning or no, not yet? Yeah, I would say I probably lean, and this is nothing new to me, right? I want to just maybe backstep for a second and say, I've had to think about this stuff before. This is not new, right? I've had to think about it with respect to my, my books. I've had to think about it with respect to uh, the podcast. And like, what do I do when people are slice and dicing the podcast? What do I do when people are creating like summary books of one of my books? What do I do when there are various types of derivative pro products that get put out that are associated with my books or my name or whatever it might be? How do you respond to that? Right. And when do you need to respond to it? Right. Because there mm -hmm. are laws established around, say, trademarks. If you never enforce your trademarks, you get yourself into trouble. So Trust on, me, I know this very you well. know this yes. you know this really well. So uh, as much as the Web three world is the wild west, like there are actually we live in a society governed by laws. <laughs> and if you're going to think about, here's what I would say: if you're going to think about, if people are investing in a person or a team because they hope that person or team has a long term focus. Anyone with a long-term focus has to take this shit seriously and think about mm -hmm. it. Otherwise, they're not thinking long-term. They're just flying by the seat of their pants and their stuff could, you know, the floor could fall out, not the floor in the <laughs> NFT sense. Although I guess that <laughs> could be the case as well. But like the metaphorical floor upon which the entire project <laughs> stands could just disintegrate unexpectedly if they're not minding these details. So where am I right now in my thinking? Probably somewhere closer to uh board ape yacht club and disney i'm probably closer to that end of the spectrum uh and that's wise yeah for me i think that for this type of project yeah for this type of project and also it's like if somebody if 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 folks want me to try to craft a world that they can engage with in some way whatever that sum is is kind of like tbd right I need to, there need to be certain pieces that are reliable for, for me as foundational pieces of this world. So I can, I can create, uh, let's call it, you know, physics that are reliable. I can create lineages that interweave in a way that makes sense. And, uh, we'll see if that changes. I've also, for instance, come across i have put so much time into this kevin oh my god i mean you know that i've done a lot of it but like the the number of case studies that i have read and case law related to different types of ip is unbelievable the number of cases i've looked at related to almost every major nft project you can think of is 
mind-boggling. And there are some cases of folks who are, for instance, opening up to certain types of fan fiction, and then they'll have their community, whether it's a DAO or otherwise, vote on pieces of fan fiction that are created that should be incorporated into the canon, mm, right? Sort of the- That's uh, interesting. Which is interesting. However, one of my like governing principles for this entire thing is actually a, a, a quote that I borrowed a principle from Morgan Spurlock, the documentary filmmaker who made Super Size Me and so on, which is, once you get fancy, fancy gets broken. So I've seen a lot of projects become so complex, especially around mechanics, that I think a lot of people opt out because it just looks like a grind to figure the shit out on That's any right. level. So for me, That's I'm like, right. so for me, I'm like, look, it's art. Like you, what you're buying is art. And what that then gives you is some skin in the game as a playing piece in a world that you can then engage with. The form mm -hmm. of that fictional world is not going to be 27 different mechanics. It's going to be writing and it's going to be probably spoken word, at least initially in the form of a podcast. Mm -hmm. And then we see where- I think that's brilliant, by the way. You know, I, I'm yeah. very, very excited for the podcast because yeah. I, I, I just know it's going to be fun. I'm excited. So now you've had some, some uh, you and I have had this cat and mouse game about the, uh, the name of this project and the mm. specifics. Because, you know, one of, one of the things that I love about you is uh, you're so supportive of things that you believe in and get excited about. And um, one of the most hilarious uh, aspects of your personality is, is what goes hand in hand with that is that you, man, you have a big mouth. And so I'm always worried about you blowing Dude, my cover with secrets. Listen. Okay, you want to talk some shit? You're the most paranoid motherfucker I know, dude. You're like so it's, concerned. It's true. It's it could be like something that you've already announced and you're like, don't fucking say a word. I'm like, Tim, you tweeted about it like two days ago. And you're like, oh, okay, oh, you're good now. Yeah. I mean, look, I, so I agree. We are on, you know, this is, <laughs> we're this on is, polar, we're, we're on the opposite ends yeah, of the spectrum we're on, on that. On, yeah. Which is why we get along because that's right. Like, like I'm the kind of uh, like paranoid uh, squirrel minding the nuts, you know, like that guy from Ice Age. Uh, and, uh, you're, and you're like, you're more like the Hakuna Matata, like, uh, Warthog from Lion King. And uh, so, you know, we get along. It's been a while since I've watched that one. What, I mean, I remember he was fat. Other than that, I don't know Oh, much. no, he's just like, everything's going to be great. Hakuna Matata, no worries, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Things are fantastic. Yeah, no worries. Peace out. And, uh, I will say, not that I have any personal experience, but, uh, I went, oh shit, I just blew my cover. Someone went to see the Lion King show, like the actual theater show, with a friend of theirs and their friend's whole family, including a bunch of little kids. And uh, that someone was a little concerned that they just might not be able to like sit through whatever, 90 minutes or two hours of this performance, really not knowing anything about it. So that said person took a handful of gummies and it was one of the most spectacular experiences of said person's life. I mean, it, it was just it's beyond description in how amazing and hilarious, especially hilarious it was. Um, so thank you for coming to my TED Talk on Lion King and edibles. The point was um, that that I'm paranoid. You're very much the opposite of, of paranoid. And what I wanted to, to offer 
is uh, to share with you for the first time ever. This is not bullshit, people. I've actually have not told Kevin the real name. There was a placeholder, though. Do you remember the placeholder? Oh, yeah, of course. So I was going to say the only reason I am going to agree to even publish this episode is as long as we can say what the placeholder name was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, all right. So oh, I remember the placeholder name. All right. So what was the placeholder name? You <laughs> got a hold of me and said, I have this idea for an NFT project. Can I tell the real story? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Okay. So the real story in this, okay, let me just put it this way. In the spirit of ideation and through working through new ideas, <laughs> it's yeah, come yeah. a long way. Oh, yeah, Because yeah. When, you first, when you first mentioned it, it was very much like, imagine a couple of guys having a couple of drinks, like bullshitting about what would be hilarious if they saw this on the blockchain. And oh, that's yeah, how yeah. I feel like it kind of, how it kind of started. Oh, yeah. Started and then with... you turn it into something where I, when I first saw the art, I was like, man, fuck, these are good. These are like, and I wasn't joking. Like, they were really good. Like, you did mm -hmm a good job with this, this crew. And so, um, I was pleasantly surprised with the, with everything and how it's come together. Like it was clear to me at some point in your head, it went from haha, wouldn't this be funny to like, I'm going to build something pretty badass, right? Yeah. Yeah. All, all my friends were like, wow, this got really elaborate very quickly. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so it, it started off with Tim being like, wouldn't it be funny just to just mess with people and just create an <laughs> NFT project that was just a bunch of like roosters mm -hmm. and like have it be like cock and balls, just call it <laughs> cock and balls. And like, you could do like blue balls and you could do like, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm like, Oh God, uh, Tim Godspeed. Like, yeah. please make that happen. <laughs> I just want to sit there with my Michael Jackson popcorn being like, like watching the shit go down. You know? Yeah. And so that's, that's how it started. That's how and it then, started. And yes, that okay. is. So it was so, cock and balls initially. Yeah, which well, so, I immediately registered all the domains, so you yeah, had yeah. to buy them from me. Which I yeah. I knew you'd do. So I'm glad that that was. Right, you're suing uh, me now. Yes, red herring. Uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna take uh, Moonbirds from you now. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I win. There's no NFT project. I just all your birds, all the birds. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so so that is so that was actually one of several initial spitball ideas where I was like, okay, what is something that would just be really fun? Now, all the other things are also true, right? Like the engaging with tech, the engaging with art, the raising, hopefully raising money for the foundation. Those are all in play already at this point. But I was starting with, how can I make this fun for me? For me, for me, for me, for me, right? Because when I make things fun or interesting for me, it always comes across to, I mean, in the case of the books, like my readers or in the podcast case, my listeners, right? When I'm not stoked about something, it is very hard for me to hide that. So I was like, all right, mm. how can I make this hilarious and fun for me? So cock and balls was definitely one, uh, was one idea. There were other ideas. Uh, one other idea was going to be, I was going to see if I could crowdsource eyes meaning photographs of eyes from my audience. And then this was before Dolly, actually. I mean, now you could really do some crazy stuff. Although I think Dolly, by default, the outputs are owned by, uh, is it OpenAI? They're changing that now. Okay, they are changing they're, that. I mean, changing I, that, yeah. And, and then you have you know, stable diffusion and so on, which I think by mm -hmm. default makes everything public domain or CC0. So that would be compatible 
assuming that somebody had an approach like like you have potentially potentially right i mean th- th- there there are uh, a lot of details but i had this idea of doing something very interesting with eyes and uh initially the eyes as the let's call it the window into the soul was going to be tied into consciousness and then like crypto for consciousness type fundraiser oh so, man you should still do this by the way you yeah. should talk to platon if you, if you chat with him at all do you, I, do you know the, uh, photo, I have, he's, the his, his photography is fucking amazing. I love his yeah. photography. I don't think he and I have ever met. Uh, oh, man, but I've seen him, I've seen him present. His photos are amazing. I mean, the stories behind, for instance, his profile pic pointing up of Putin sitting in this throne, basically, and the backstory with the question about the Beatles. It's incredible. So, so, so I, so I haven't, iced this idea completely but this was one of the other ideas was like okay i'm gonna do eyes yeah. and do this and then have this spin on stylizing the eyes i had all these ideas another idea which was kind of uh i, I don't want to say too on the nose but it was going to be for raising money for the foundation again and it was going to be taking molecules of current and lesser known also novel psychedelics that could be tryptamines that could be phenethylamines it mm. could be any you could sponsor a molecule by buying it as an nft well you could potentially so i thought about this also like by buying an nft and looking at certain dynamics or mechanics i should say that there are ways that different molecules get weighted and then based on the weighting funding is applied to say studies that support different classes or types of molecules and there are a lot of molecules like there are databases of these molecules at least as laid out in 2d i'm sure there are ways there are absolutely ways that you could visualize them in in three-dimensional space but that was another idea right and then i mean i'm looking through i'm looking through a bunch of my notes uh here yeah here's some terrible names too watts windows of the soul w-o-t-s watts was the was going to be some wordplay that uh, would have definitely been changed. And I thought about different collaborations, for instance. I mean, I really think uh, Brandon Stanton is amazing, uh, the Humans of New York. And uh, he's a friend. And I never, uh, I haven't floated this by by him because (laughs) I didn't want to put him at any risk of some like NFT curveball screwing things up. But I thought, man, like he would actually be an incredible person to potentially collaborate with on something like this if it were purely a fundraiser. But let's let's get back Wait, to there was one you wanted to do with the Dilbert uh creator. Was there? There might have Remember, been. Remember you, you there was it was it the Dilbert it was some comic I don't think it was I, I I do know. I mean Scott Adams has been on the podcast. His his story is quite amazing. His Look predictive at your text ability with him. Look mm-hmm. at your text with him. You wanted to call it Dil Oh, no, 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 no. There was a joke. What the fuck was it? Uh, it, was, it was something oh, NFT oh, related. Oh. What was it? I think, I think that was a joke. Yeah, I think I wanted to call it Dildog. Is... <laughs> no, it wasn't Dildog. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Or... No, no, no. Just look at your text with him. You texted him oh, at Marfa God. and he never wrote back or some shit. Like He was like, oh, like God. D- well, horrified. Oh, yeah, no. It was still... just... It, I, it might have been Dildog. No, he no, said we, that he was going to call. I think maybe in his in the podcast we did together that uh, I joked 
that he sh- no Dildog Dildog was the name that got abandoned in favor no, of this was, of this was dog something bird. so NFT specific. It was really oh, good. Shit, you know what? I do remember though because we had had a bunch of tequila in Marfa, and you and I yeah. were losing it laughing, which happened to be the same time that I stayed with you at that Airbnb where you're like, yeah, there are no blankets, and I slept on the couch at like in 40 right. degrees with a fucking towel on and was like dying all night. <laughs> and then we found the blankets just conveniently in a drawer <laughs> like two days later. Uh, yeah. Oh God. But anyway, all right. So cock and balls, do you want to see the real name of this thing and how it's developed? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it, please. All right. So I'm going to show you a shot on my phone. So I'm going to hold it up to the camera and I think you'll be able to We're going to have some actual graphics we can overlay too because we got to yeah, show all, yeah, our work and all that stuff so and then i can explain the background on this so now as just a bit of uh preamble a little foreplay before i show you this thing so part of the reason that this name made me so happy and it still makes me so happy is number one i'm just emotionally immature and uh an adolescent at heart and i find this hilarious secondly if anyone wants to criticize this or slam Uh-oh. it or whatever they're they're going to have a really hard time not using this project name uh, oh, no. so so in other words they're going to have to they're going to have to type it out or say it which is going to make me lose my shit laughing every time <clears throat> i see it okay so here we go um this is in process this is not the final version but this is a possible logo for the project, which is going to also be fully animated, uh, or I should say partially animated. So here we go. Legend of Cock Punch. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so, so you so you heard it here first, folks. So so this so this uh this project is called cockpunch and yes before you ask i have cockpunch.com i have cockpunch.wtf i have at cockpunch on twitter i've got all the cockpunch so wow so how did you get cockpunch on twitter oh my god so this is part of the reason why there's a good chance i'm going to lose money on this whole thing i've put so much time and money into this including buying shit like handles for cock punch. It's so stupid, Kevin Rose. I can't believe my entire career has led up to the point where the pinnacle, the synergy of all of these things I've done is something called cock punch. But it gives me a lot of glee for a whole host of reasons. Uh, One is that I get to do something fun that actually should raise, hopefully, like like a, I don't know, million, two million, who knows how many dollars for the foundation, which will immediately get deployed to science and scientists and projects that I care most about, that I think are uncrowded bets that are super high leverage in the world in terms of impact and long-term benefit to humanity. Uh, So that is just hilarious that tech and our relationship and everything has coalesced in such a way that a project like this can even exist. So the, 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 explanation behind it. So it's called cock punch. Why is this called cock punch, right? I've shown you some of the artwork. Yeah. Uh at, with the artwork which I'm just so I'm so happy with it's the amazing. artwork. It is so incredibly detailed 
And I'll give a couple, I'll, I'll mention a couple of things, which I might edit out later because I'm not sure how much I'm going to disclose before this launches. I was intending for a lot of things to be surprises, but times are tough. It's a weird market. I feel like I should share some of it. So there are eight primary houses, as I mentioned. There is a lot of history that has been put together for this. And what I realized about Cock and Balls in its original iteration was that, yeah, it's funny, but it's, it's very short-term funny. Right, it's like cock and balls, haha. I get it. Cock and balls. It's cock. It's holding some balls, like <laughs> bowling balls or right. billiard balls. Like, yeah, okay. It's funny for a second, and then it's just not very interesting. What I also realized about that initial cock and balls, I just love saying it, uh, iteration, is there just wasn't much narrative or dynamic connective tissue to it at all. Right, it was a joke. But what, what I realized very quickly as I was thinking of variations on that is I was like, okay, hold on. What if there were this fantasy world within which you have this warring states period? So there's basically this civil strife, warring states period, quite similar to Japan way back in the day, not totally coincidental just because I've studied so much. Japanese history. And uh, this is true for many, many, many places, by the way, before they became large nation states. There are these warring states periods. And at one point, this, this truce of sorts, this peacemaking mechanism was developed, which is kind of similar in some ways to how geopolitics can be exerted through the Olympics now for humans, right? It's, it is kind of warfare through athletic means. So there is this, there is this entire area in this realm called the free trade zone. And within the free trade zone, a lot happens. That is sort of the, the one demilitarized area within this realm. There is the eightfold arena. And within the eightfold arena, you have the great games and the great games are one on one warfare between these characters who are sent as representatives from the eight houses and they're vetted in different ways. And that's part of the Laura that I won't get into right now because I want it to be a surprise. So well, it's a little MMA style slash Olympics slash it's like, like, it's like MMA meets the Olympics meets gladiator. Type and they're of, all roosters. They're all roosters. And there are many questions this raises, which are going to be part of the mystery of this world. But I mean, are there any hens? Uh, there are no hens. There are no hens. And this is going to be part of the mystery. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say about it. It's going to piss a lot of people off, I'm sure. And that's okay. Uh, because then they're going to have to explain to people why they're so pissed off by a project that is called Cock Punch. For fuck's sake, people. You're taking life too seriously. Like, find another fight. This is not the fight worth fighting. But there, there, are, there are no hens. Uh, and <laughs> you can see why I've been having so much you fun get with this. Really serious. Oh, it's You're so like, great. Study the connective tissue between the IP rights of these different various projects. There are no hens. There are there, no hens. Let me be like, clear. Let like... me be very clear, everybody. There are no hens. <laughs> if you're in, if you're if you're buying these NFTs because you think they're hens, there are no hens. And uh, oh god. And so the artwork that you have seen involves all manner of and there are there are a lot of elements involved but they all have different gauntlets right so 
the I don't want to give away the name, but there is a specific name for these games. But colloquially, throughout the realm, it is known as cock punch. Why? Because it's bunks of cocks, and they have each these gauntlets, and that is one of their primary weapons: is punching mm. with these gauntlets. Hence, cock punch. And so, <laughs> when the punching, wait, let's 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 go into the. Can we go into the actual how they look and and whatnot? Yeah, we should yeah. walk through what they're. Yeah, sure. How would you yeah, like so me to go which through? Which ones do you want to walk through? I, I would say any that you can send us to put up graphically, and then you oh, can walk through them. Yeah, yeah. Let me. I'll show you again what I showed you before, and I'll explain some of the components. Right. So, so this guy here it looks like it's turned around on my phone. So I, I, the the mm -hmm. quality is not going to be super high. But what you're looking at here is a very, very large kind of uh, Goliath rooster. And mm -hmm. uh, what you can, what you see, if you kind of double click on this, you see a handful of things. So at the very bottom of this, and the configuration of all this is not an accident. This is where all of the Easter eggs and stuff that's embedded in this fictional world, I think, are going to be a lot of fun. But this this example in the in the logo, as I just shared it with you, is a. Goliath rooster who will have many attributes people might associate with, say, a berserker, right? Mm -hmm. So think of maybe the fictionalized Vikings with battle axes and things of this type. And uh, the visual, I mean, in this particular case, he's got war paint across his face and huge neck and also very detailed armor. And most of it is, in this case, leather. There is some metal at use, but there are going to be one or two clans who have primary access to and expertise with metals. And that is one of the types of scarcity that will exist in this world. And that changes behavior, and it changes how things flow, and it changes the interactions, right? Uh, at the bottom of this, you also have two gauntlets. And, and in this particular case, they're two gauntlets that are bladed and they have two different types of blades. Uh, but the, the, the type of gauntlet is really, really uh, wide. I mean, I think we have, God, I want to say close to 300 different attributes that were all designed from scratch. Crazy. <laughs> it's so incredibly detailed of, i mean it's, how do you even come up with that many so we sat down and put together dozens of google documents put together hundreds of pieces this is what i what i did you know hundreds of pieces of reference uh images uh so it'd be like hey it's a blend of these five things but go to this wikipedia page go to the sixth paragraph on this particular weapon that was used in this particular culture. I want this aspect, but not this aspect. And I want it to be roughly this multiple in terms of the size of the hand. I want it to be held in this way. <laughs> I mean, the level Crazy. of detail is completely bananas. And then there would be rough drafts and then uh, illustration and design reviews. Sometimes those almost always those would start in 2D. So something I haven't shared, which I'll share, and you saw the first teaser that was presented today that I put up 
on Twitter at T Ferris and at Tim Tim Nifties. <laughs> uh, and that teaser blew a lot of people away, right? It, it, it's, it's well beyond what anyone would have expected. Uh, and the story behind how it was generated hints at a whole extra layer of complexity that also makes this very interesting, which is all of these characters are modeled in three dimensions. So the way that all these teasers were created was by positioning light sources and camera angles around these characters who exist. And by doing that, you get these incredibly cinematic, stupidly, I think, awesome shots of these characters. It's all done with, in effect, you know, the files that people will ultimately have access to in 3D. It's going to start with 2D because these three-dimensional files are, I don't know, like some of them are going to be enormous. They'll be like two gigs, right? So for Mint purposes, it's just, it's going to be two. Things will be more likely to break if we try to do that out of the gate, but they are all three-dimensional, which means you can do all sorts of fun things with them, right? If you take the time to learn how to use any of these three, you know, three-dimensional modeling uh, pieces of software, you will be able to create photo shoots for your character and like rotate and so on. What that also means though, is we did not just create something in 2D. We had to keep in mind what it looks like when you rotate it all the way around, when you look at it from the top. So the, the sheer number of details <laughs> to build in was crazy. It was, it's been so incredibly labor intensive and i've loved it which is the maybe even crazier part like i am so you uh, <laughs> you mentioned that i'm kind of paranoid or very paranoid it's true very hyper vigilant i think there are a lot of good reasons for that i you know a lot of weird shit has happened to me including like some pretty gnarly stuff so i think my my default is like on alert right there's that what that default on alert though has as an upside because i'm very 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 visually acute right i could probably draw the layout of every restaurant I've ever been in, right? I just, that's crazy. I have incredibly abnormal visual acuity and visual memory. So reviewing this art, well, here, I'll give you a crazy example. You'll, you'll believe this too. It sounds unbelievable. I was surprised. So we had to go through at one point and not only did we create like the you know, 290 different traits, uh, and by trait, like that could be a hairstyle, but but more commonly, it's like a really uh, intricate piece of outerwear or a really intricate weapon or really intricate footwear, something like that. And then we need to go through and name all these things, right? Oh, I've so, been there. It's a so, lot of work. Yeah. So I, so I went through with the project manager and named all these things. I love naming things. There's a lot of power in names, a lot of power in names, which is going to be part of the whole lore <laughs> and world that I'm building and have been building. But after naming all of them, I remembered every image and what name it was associated with. So like for the next week, I'd be like, hey, I want to change that one thing. It was called this, but I want to change it to Amethyst Deceiver. This is what the, gam this is what the gauntlet looks like. Here's the reason for doing it. Could you update that in the spreadsheet? 
<laughs> so uh, this is this is just a way of saying uh, n- I don't think any there's no detail that I noticed that has been overlooked in this art. Uh, yeah, really proud of it. It's it's, the, it's it's crazy. I was when I was on a call with you and, <clears throat> and one of your um, folks were working on it. They were zooming in like really, really, really close along the edge to make sure that like everything was connecting the right way. Oh yeah. And I was just blown away at like the attention to detail and just making sure that everything is just so perfect on these things Yeah, for such a project that like started off with such humble beginnings and like you were just like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and that (laughs) right there is a great example of, I think why I'm getting so much energy from this. Because yeah. it, it, because uh, from our initial conversations, there's no way I could have predicted this is what would have happened. And that's fun, right? That's fun. And there's another reason why it's like, yeah, what's your five-year roadmap? Like, number one, I, I'm not doing this to cater to day traders. I understand that traders are a part of this. I realize that's, uh, in fact, in some ways, I think a healthy part of the ecosystem we didn't even talk about royalties, but I do. Well, that's th- what I, uh, that was my next question, actually. Uh, oh, fire away then, because this, so, this, this is going to tie in. Yeah, so my, 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 my question that I had around this, especially when you got into a lot of the more like re- insanely well-defined weaponry and things of that nature, I could easily see you assigning you know, power to each of these individual things, saying this yeah. character is, has more armor, this character has more of this, this and that. And like, given your background in D&D, like this could be an easy play to roll into either some type of game or, you know, yeah. I mean, that's that's an obvious move. If we were back six months ago, eight months ago, and the royalty engine was fired up the way that it was back then, yeah, you could say, heck, I could launch this, get on a 10 to $15 million a year run rate in terms of secondary royalties and fund the hell out of all these yeah. kind of crazy I could, ideas. Could fund all the development myself for stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like that, would have been amazing. Sadly, yeah. that's no longer the case. Yes. What's the plan? <laughs> the cherry blossoms have shed their flowers. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, well, you mean the plan in terms of royalties or just the, the plan in terms just, of how I would, would want to explore things like that? I guess a couple questions to that then. So one, what's your current take on royalties? And, and I said before, this is the 8th, so it, things could be completely different by now, November 8th. Um, and then also how do you plan to fund things like that going forward? Uh, let me tackle the second one first. So the first <laughs> using first and second in a very confusing way. All right. How <laughs> so, tackle the second one first. <laughs> <laughs> second hand, I'm gonna tackle the first one second. So first, yes. uh how do I plan on funding these things in the future? I don't plan on funding these things in the future. So just so that is clear. I'm excited by the potential, like the, the potential energy of this project is very, very high. How and if that gets translated is a different question for me. So I am not committing to doing any of this derivative stuff or line extensions uh, because I don't want people to buy any of these NFTs expecting that because they shouldn't. There's a very good chance I don't do any of that stuff in part because there's no funding for it, uh, in part because if I don't enjoy it, if it's not giving me energy and I'm dealing with too much headache and dicks on the internet, then I will change yeah. direction. I'll do something else. Uh, so that's that. Uh, if I want to explore those things later, I would imagine 
given, as you said, that the royalty engine, at least as it existed <laughs> a year ago, is no longer. Those times have passed. And that the primary sales are going to the foundation. I would either have to go out of pocket in footing the dev costs for all of those things, or I would need to partner with companies who would probably license the IP in some fashion, which is another reason why one could make the compelling argument for sort of controlling the integrity of the meta brand and world, right? On some mm -hmm. level, you can't totally control it. I'm not going to try to do that, but uh, to sort of maintain a core integrity to that. So I, I think that if I were to explore whether it's games, an animated series, or something like that, it would almost certainly be in partnership with a specialized company that does that yeah. and does it better than anyone else who is willing to figure out some type of deal structure that allows that to happen that doesn't require Tim Tim to right. know, take out a, a fourth mortgage on his house to try to make it work. I imagine your swag game is going to be pretty like the the if your hats and shirts and stuff that you sell oh, is probably I mean, going to do there a are lot of revenue there are so many options for fun things that can be done, but I don't want to get ahead of myself, right? I want to see what yeah. the next. I want to do a good job on this first. All of that stuff is going to be there, and I'm not committing to it. It is exciting and fun to think about, but. And this happens to me with books too, by the way. Like, I need to be very careful about getting too excited about various spinoffs and marketing opportunities because that's the fun, easy stuff for me to think about. Whereas, like, the writing, and in this case, like, the art and the fiction, that's the hard part per se mm -hmm. to get right. So, I've just been focusing on that. But yeah, the marketing stuff, possible merch, all of that. Holy shit, I have a million ideas. It's, I mean, it's kind of a layup, right? I <laughs> mean, Hawk bunch yeah. for, for for God's sake. So coming back to the royalties though, because I think this is a conversation that 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 is worth having. And I may come off as horribly naive. I'm sure people have arguments for this, that, and the other thing. Let me begin with a story. So during COVID, I had conversations with many artist friends, visual artists, and also musicians who could finally make money in some cases without touring all the time and being away from their family and friends. They could finally justify putting their energy into something that would pay them on an ongoing basis. They wouldn't be singing for their supper nonstop for nickels and dimes. And uh, I realize that there are many market drivers, let's call it that, because I think that's exactly what it is, leading platforms to race to the bottom in terms of not just cutting their fees, but if that's not enough for them to survive and thrive and eat market share, let's figure out ways that we can cut other fees, including royalties to creators. That tide may be impossible to stem, right? That may be something that is just inexorably marching towards zero, but on a philosophical basis, 
as someone who has contended with very difficult economics in the book world, and look, I have been very, very lucky and managed to like jump on top of a shooting star and I made it work for me, but I, I don't want to get into specifics, but people would be shocked by, relatively speaking, how little money comes out of I guess five books now that are number one New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestsellers that are like in 40 plus languages, they would be shocked at, at what that actually translates to. Much like I think people would be shocked to learn what musicians make from tens and hundreds of millions of plays on some streaming platforms. Right. I, it's, it's unbelievable how little that actually adds up to. So, well, I'll put it this way. Actually, this, this is, I think I could say this, uh, that all in by the time this project is launched and kind of up and running, I probably will have spent the majority of after-tax uh, income that I've made from all of my books combined in the last year. Wow, isn't that, isn't that's that crazy. Isn't that fucking crazy? Crazy. It's crazy, right? $50,000. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so... So it's, but it's, and, and you know me, like I'm very judicious and thoughtful with how I spend money. Like I think I'm very good at capital allocation. Like I'm very surgical. So I'm not blowing money. Like I'm spending it very, very intelligently. And nonetheless, you're one of the best at that, actually. Yeah. I thanks, man. You. Like I'm really, I'm really high leverage and surgical with how I do it. And nonetheless, uh, all in with this thing including like my time, which is a lot of time and the time of my team and so on and contractors and everything else, it'll probably be, uh, almost certainly more than 50% of the after tax income to me from all of my books in the last, yeah, like six to 12 months. That's crazy. So on a philosophical level, right. And I'm getting off easy compared to say musicians, and most fine artists, like I'm getting off yeah. really, really easy because I've, I've had a tremendous amount of luck and uh, good fortune with the books. So on a philosophical level, I want, I want gifted artists to be able to share their work and create new work and to be incentivized to do that in a way that allows them to thrive. I strongly yeah. stand for that. I'm, I'm furthermore, that. yeah. Furthermore, I want nascent artists or would-be artists who are choosing between paths of like sell out to the man and go work at like fill in the blank kind of rank and oh, file man. institution, bank or whatever. No, not to talk smack about banks. Like, there's a place and a time for it. Some people are built for it, but for people who would shelve their dreams of exploring art to take the reliable path because they see no way to make ends meet through art, I want to try to preserve options for them to do that. I think the world needs it. And for that reason, I really strongly believe in trying to protect royalties. Now, that could just be whack-a-mole. It could just be a, a fool's errand because it's all going to zero anyway. But but let's telescope out and and consider what that might mean. If it goes to zero and royalty streams just disappear and the call to arms and the request or the command 
from all the traders is, well, what you need to do is have a 10-year roadmap. You need to have a team. You need to raise money. And instead of being an artist, actually, you need to be a startup CEO and founder first and foremost and a fundraiser in order to get an entry ticket to play in this game. What do you think happens? 99.9% of all the artists disappear. That's what happens. So then what happens? Well, it doesn't paint a very rosy future for the space, I don't think. So personally, even if it's like, all right, this is going to be the hill that I die on and it doesn't really make a difference. Like I want, I do want to stand for royalties. That's how I feel yeah. right. That's how I feel right now. Well, I'm, I'm here's, the, here's the thing, Tim, that it, I think you, and I, I will agree on this and, and tell me what you think about this statement. Um, one, I think it's going to be fixed with code. I, I don't think the whack-a-mole option is going to be the one that fixes it for, for the long term. I think that's a, that's a, it's an, like an arms race to like who can outsmart the other one or deploy a new contract yeah. faster. It's like, it's yeah. an antivirus game. It's like, the virus gets released and you have to quickly come up with a patch to like, yeah, exactly. It it's also anywhere. not adaptable, right? Because retroactively, <clears throat> if you then need to modify your right. smart contract, that's not always a piece of cake, right? Yeah. So I, I think it's going to be, there'll be other technical, let's, let's just say it gets solved over the long term in, in this, uh, and you are able to actually enforce royalties. I think it, it, the beautiful thing about it is if you see something that's enforcing a royalty and you see it on the screen that it's enforcing the royalty, you don't have to buy it. Like let the market yeah. figure out what is what the right because I think I think what'll most likely happen is gone it'll probably be well, I think there's a couple things. I, I like to think of these as, as more dynamic than what what they are, where it, it's always like, okay, it's five percent, right? Or it's eight percent or it's ten percent yeah. or whatever it may be. I like to think of them as something that can change with the situation. Yeah. With, with a, a little bit more. Cause like, for example. And if then I an then I have a dream me, scenario that I want to tell you about. So please please go. But I I have this like dream wish list type scenario related to this. So for yeah, example, so, so for for me it's like you know, well there's 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 two things. I set the proof collective pass to be a three year membership, right? And I did that intentionally because I didn't want to tie, tie myself up for ever ever to be you know part of having to feed the mouse forever, right? And it, so far it's been great. Do you say it's, feed it's, the mouse? A, mouths like, like the <laughs> yeah yeah no i kind of like feed the mouse that's the name of our new punk punk rock band well to, to your point though right now it still doesn't feel like work it's like it's it's a good we're, we're creating great um experiences for the people that own the passes but i think it's the last six or eight passes that were sold were done so that escaped the royalties right yeah and so we have another side of the crowd that's like hey turn the pass on to be a forever pass get rid of the three years we're coming up on a year now. We'll be a year in come January 1st. You have two years left. I have some FUD. Make it a forever pass. But how can I make it a forever pass if there's not revenue to hire the employees to do the yeah. magic on the other side? Yeah, right? exactly. So it's just like you kind of like you can't have it both ways, right? Yeah, so yeah. My there, point, there needs uh, to be income. As much as people seem to hate anyone else making money in Web3, <laughs> at least if I'm to judge it from NFT Twitter, uh, you need fuel to make these things run yes whether it's a it, single it, artist in a fucking studio or it's a company of people who have who have a roadmap and want to deliver to their community in either case there needs to be fuel the other piece of this that i think is really important is that 
there needs to be a checkbox that I, I, I believe personally, you'd get 80 plus percent of, of companies that would check this. Whereas if there is a sale where someone is losing money from the last transaction, don't charge them any royalties. Mm. I, like if someone is underwater for something that they have collected on the art side, and it just isn't working out. Like, why would I want to kick them while they're down? Right? Like that would be a box that I would check right away. Yeah. That's and interesting. I think you, you, I don't know to me that there's, there's better solutions are coming. I've, I've been talking with a lot of folks and there's a lot of really interesting tech being built right now. So what I was dreaming about, and I knew it wasn't going to be, I didn't think it would be technically possible, but part of what gives me so much excitement around this is that, and people might view this as a negative. I don't think they should. Like, I don't need to do this, right? Like, I'm choosing to do this, but I don't need to follow. I don't feel compelled to follow the dogma that has very quickly risen up to become scripture in Web3, right? Like, you can't do this. You have to do this. You always have to do this. You can't do this. You, you know, and it's like 12 months ago, you had to have a Discord, and then a couple of projects don't do it. Now it's like, oh, no, now you don't need a Discord. And it's just like, oh, my God, it's the same just like opinion competition, but these aren't actually the laws of nature. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of room to maneuver. So what I was hoping I could do with the launch of this would to, would, would to be to set basically a descending rate of royalty percentage so that if people hold they get rewarded in a sense, right? So if they if they sell in the first month, 50% royalty, right? <laughs> if they sell after the first month, but like within six months, then it's, I'm making these numbers up obviously, but like right. tw 20%. And then it goes down and I therefore incentivize people to hold or more likely, I don't change any behavior. I attract people who are willing to hold right. for a longer period of time which is appealing to me because I don't want to deal with the manic depressive folks who are just yelling on the internet every time they don't get a 3x return on doing no work. I just don't have a lot of respect for that. I don't yeah. want to cater to that. And I recognize that there are really good people involved in the space. It's just that the worst in the space tend to be the loudest. It is it is challenging, especially yeah. when someone's upside down in something where they put a lot of money in and, and, you know, the market takes a turn and it's, uh, it's, you have a lot of people that are in a, in a bad situation. Yeah. So it's, you got to feel it's bad coming back like a boomerang to, uh, one of the items in my FAQ, please, please, please do not buy something called cock punch as an investment called cock punch, please. Please, dear God. I so, think that's just yeah. safe for anything that has the word cock in it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I would mean, say that you could broadly apply that to yeah, probably in, more in, than just yours. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, the crypto dick buckets butts were <laughs> hot for a minute. You know, but, dick, dick butts, it doesn't, it doesn't ride the fucking hundred foot wave of mimetic power in the same way that cock punch does. That's um, fair. Just saying. Um, so I want to I wanna close out with a, a few... <laughs> More logistical things on, yeah, on, sure. on the cock side. Um, so collection, you could have done 10K. You, yep. We don't know where it's going to land you. You haven't 100% locked that in, but you're thinking what now? 
I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. And then uh, I haven't decided how many to reserve. Uh, but, you know, I like the idea. <laughs> this entire thing unexpectedly is turned into a study of economics and game theory. It's wild how complicated this stuff gets and how deep you can go down that rabbit hole and get distracted, I think, from the art side. But you do need to think about certain aspects of it, right? So, for instance, just the question of like, how many should I reserve? Like on one hand, I'm like, well, no primary sales. Secondary, who the hell knows? So let me reserve a bunch and then I'll show that I've got like my skin in the game and incentives are aligned with everybody else. But then somebody said, well, somebody who's pretty pretty well-versed in the space said, well, but if you have a, a huge reserve, then people will be worried about you selling a bunch at the peak and then flooding the market and and driving the floor price down. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't even... I mean, number one, it wouldn't even occur to me to do that. Uh, but... Well, it would just ruin your reputation as a human. So I, yeah, I don't think yeah, you, I mean, would, you would ever well, do that, obviously. No, I wouldn't do that. But the other... I mean, so the other thing is like, look, if you don't know who I am, which like, why would you? I'm like tier F celebrity. But if you followed anything that I've ever done, then you can kind of answer any, you can answer most questions you would have about this project if you like followed it. Uh, like if you think that I might do something like that, then you shouldn't buy it. And I don't think you've tracked any of the projects that I've done in the past. I would say there's, there's a couple things there that I like. One, you hold them back and it gives you the, you personal optionality should Let's just say this thing is like starting to gain gain some momentum, and you're like, I, I the people are loving loving the podcast, like it, the lore is going really well. You're like finding a writing groove, like things are going. Now you could say to the community, Hey, the first day or the first and fifteenth of every month, I'm going to sell two of these, yeah, and all that cash is going to be used to fund development for X, right? And so you don't have to rely upon the royalties. You can go in and say, I'm holding these back. Should we ever want to use them? Um, or I could just flood the market and you all could lose that. <laughs> but the choice is yours. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, gonna, <laughs> you know, I don't want to tell you what to do, live your life, but these are your choices. Right, right. Uh, a, you help me or B, I shoot your dog in the head. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I, I like, I just like, I do think for me, right. For some people who are scheming bastards who just want to take the money and run, maybe they would pull some stupidly short-sighted move like flooding the market with a ton of their product which is stupid uh doesn't make any sense for me uh but i like the idea it, for me it will i will feel strongly aligned and i like that idea so that so yeah first first i guess logistics question that i think i feel quite confident about is roughly being available i'll tell you another reason why that's important is with the number of attributes that we have, if we don't have a certain critical mass, we mm. will not get a good distribution of those mm. traits that, and that attributes. That is actually very true. And I want people to see these things. We have put so much time and effort. I, that's why I think you should do <laughs> like get, get a few more of them out there. I think given everything that you have on the on that you said that you're just going to commit to a first season of, like even just doing, 
you know, putting your energy into a new podcast that is going to be mean, around this. Yeah. Like it's, it's not like, going to, it's not going to hurt. Right. Like my, my main podcast, like Tim Ferriss show is going to cross a billion downloads in, in uh, the next handful of months. Right. It's a big show when I have launched and look past performance is no guarantee of future performance. So please take this with a huge grain of salt. I launched dedicated episodes for my last two books, Tools of Titans and Tribe Mentors. Things are much more competitive now. There are like 50,000 plus new podcasts that come out per week. So everything has changed. Algorithms have changed, blah, 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 blah. But both of those podcasts ended up being number one on Apple podcasts out of all podcasts for a short period of time because of the way that things were weighted at that time. So I don't think that'll happen. I think things are too competitive. But when I launch a new podcast, at least a handful of people should listen to it. And they're going to be so fucking confused yeah, <laughs> that I think it's going to get talked about. Like to go from like dissecting world-class performers and deconstructing the habits and routines and favorite books that you can use in your own life to cock punch is going to be such a jarring yeah. transition that people are going to talk about it. So that'll be uh, at the very least uh, a, a, a very, very hilarious week. Well, this is, this is great, Tim. I, I, I think that um, I'm relieved. I'm relieved in that when I think of, of, of people that, you know, there's, there's so many, I, I'm sure you can imagine when Moonbirds like did its thing, right. Yeah. And, and just like really took off. Amazing. Everybody yeah. came out of the woodwork to pick my brain on NFTs. All of yeah. a sudden it became yeah, yeah. like the, the, the number one phone call to like, I want to launch an NFT yeah, project. Yeah. Right. And <clears throat> A lot of them were really bad yeah. with no plan, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and my advice to a lot of people uh, was just like, don't, don't do this unless you're willing to put your reputation at risk or you have something that's new and novel and exciting and is like yeah. uniquely yours yeah. that you can point to and say, this is why I'm different than everything else out there, right? Yeah. Like your superpower, one of many is, is your creativity on the writing side, right? And your yeah. ability to go in and dominate that space so well. And so you were playing to two years superpowers, the, the art side, and then also the, the creative writing side. It's like, I don't know, that's, 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 a, that's a good, powerful combination that isn't just insert celebrity signing on artists to do drop to make, you know, X number of dollars and never show up again, right? Yeah. Yeah, so totally. it's exciting. It's exciting. And I've, and I've also, I've, I've sort of painted myself into a productive creative corner in the sense that I decided way before any other decision that the all the primary sale proceeds would go to the foundation, right? So there is no option for me just rug pulling and running with my uh bags of loot to the bur you know to the to the Bahamas or to St. Kitts or whatever, right? Like I have I have created conditions such that I need to be creative. And that's great because that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. So I've just created the constraints and the incentives such that that's what I got to do, which I'm very excited about. I remember it being in Austin at Elizabeth Street Cafe, drinking a Vietnamese coffee and eating pastries while you were texting me during the Mood Merds launch. The fucking craziness that was ensuing. And I was so happy for you, man. I love, I love seeing my friends win and win so big. And it was so fun to get those texts. It made me so happy. I was with a friend and I was like, oh, I appreciate that, look man. at this, man. I'm so fucking happy. I was so, it made my day. 
uh, that you are having such an amazing, amazing day. So that's well, what I wanted to say. I got to tell you, it, I, well, I appreciate that. That means, means a lot, obviously coming from you. And, and, uh, the thing that I'll follow up with this is like, at the end of the day, I think that the, 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 the thing that I love most about working in this space and the reason why I get up still, still, even in this crazy market, still jazz to play is because it still does feel like play. It feels like we're making shit up and that's okay yeah. because yeah. this is a new frontier. We're figuring it out on the fly. And as long as it feels that way, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be fun and, and a good creative things come from a place of comfort. I feel than a place of stress. Right. Yeah. And it seems like yeah. you're operating in a, in a place that is low stress. Not, you're not making it seem like it's just, you know, crazy roadmap. You're just going to have a good time. And yeah. I think good things will follow from that if that's yeah. the place you're operating. Yeah. And, and, uh, I'll, I'll also say something out loud that, a number of people have encouraged me to say out loud, they're like, have you actually said that? And I'm like, no, I haven't. They're like, you should, which is, and there, 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 there are a few sentences. So it's not going to take too long. It's not a TED talk, but so the first is if you're, if you're, if you're serious all the time, you'll burn out before you get any other really serious work done. Like you, you can do serious work without taking yourself and it too seriously. Because if you do that, mm -hmm you just burn out. I've yet to see a single exception. Mm -hmm. And also, and this is a grand experiment for me at least, but it seems very promising that you can get very serious work done in fun ways, right? So this is a project. It's a, it's a very elaborate art project with visual art and writing called Cock Punch. <laughs> That's the proper pronunciation, by the way. Cock punch. And, and the funds from the primary sale are going to the SciSafe Foundation, which are going to fund therapeutics for people who are suffering from debilitating conditions like treatment-resistant depression, which I've suffered from for my entire life, and complex PTSD as a result of trauma like sexual abuse and experience war and so on. I mean, these are serious fucking things and it can get really dark and really heavy when you're immersed in it as I have been for many years now. So the, the possibility of having fun and injecting play and having the, the, the side effect of that, the output of that, then flow down into these very, very serious high leverage places is super exciting. So I hope, I hope, I hope, and I mean, I don't want to say expect because secret to happiness is low expectations, but I'm very optimistic about this whole thing. And if it works, holy shit, man, like if it works, the door that that opens to me, because I've been so serious, man, for the last handful of years working on all this, these therapeutics, and it's dark. It's like you, you deal with these stories of trauma and so on. It's, it gets very dark. So the idea that I can continue to do that work, not abandon it, not abandon those people, not abandon myself, but to also have this like light, fun side that offsets it, that gives me longevity and endurance. Oh man, that's exciting to me. Yeah, that's amazing. And I love that you're not taking yourself too seriously and, and just calling it something just ridiculous that you could also get shit for, for not having not be PC, by the way. Oh yeah. Can't wait. Just, I can't wait. I'm excited for you to be canceled next <laughs> month. Oh yeah. But, but in the process of trying to cancel me, they're going to have to write and say cock punch over and over and over. Right. <laughs> so, 
good luck. Good luck. The, just the, the gymnastics that people are going to have to go through from the peanut gallery to try to criticize it without actually taking the bait and saying or writing cock punch is, is going to be just pure entertainment. Yeah. Well, that and if this does take off, let's hope it's like, this could be gravestone material where it's like creative cock punch. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, you know, amazing. You know, I was thinking one of the best moves, like if I want to walk the walk of not taking myself too seriously, launching this as my first major NFT project and first attempt at fictional world building is going to mean that I would, what, like a third of my Wikipedia is going to be dedicated to something oh, called yeah. cock punch. <laughs> yeah, that so, makes me happy. Oh, man. So anytime anyone in like, you know, the Netherlands is like, we run this business organization. We are thinking of having Tim Ferriss be a keynote speaker. Let's go to his Wikipedia page. It's going to be like, cock punch. Hello. So it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. I love it. <laughs> so good. Well, Tim. Yes. Yes, sir. Great to have you on the show. Yeah. Um, excited for this launch. I will be minting with bells on and hope I get the rare <laughs> blue ball cock, which is oh, yeah. the rarest, correct? The blue balls, the blue balls are not common. Blue balls are not common. They're treasured. They are they they're are treasured. They're, they're treasured, uh, as are many people others. People think we're joking, but that actually is true, right? One of the, the blue balls trait is treasured. Blue balls are actually rare. And uh yeah. I don't want to spoil all the secrets, but yes, blue balls are uh, prized possessions. Those are going to be, those are going to be on the rare side of things. Cockpunch.com. Yes. Don't miss it. At, at cockpunch on Twitter. At cockpunch on Twitter. <laughs> oh my God. Kev, Kev, how did I end up here? I uh, love it. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks brother. I'll yeah, see, you, see uh, you on launch day with a uh, tweet. I'll be retweeting every <laughs> related post I possibly can. <laughs> oh, it's going to be, it's going to be glorious. Can't wait. Oh yeah. Great to spend time with you, brother. Hey guys, this is Tim again. Just a few more things before you take off. Number one, this is Five Bullet Friday. Do you want to get a short email from me? Would you enjoy getting a short email from me every Friday that provides a little morsel of fun before the weekend? And Five Bullet Friday is a very short email where I share the coolest things I've found or that I've been pondering over the week. That could include favorite new albums that I've discovered. It could include gizmos and gadgets and all sorts of weird shit that I've somehow dug up in the uh, the world of the esoteric as I do. It could include favorite articles that I've read and that I've shared with my close friends, for instance. And it's very short. It's just a little tiny bite of goodness before you head off for the weekend. So if you want to receive that, check it out. Just go to fourhourworkweek.com. That's fourhourworkweek.com all spelled out and just drop in your email and you will get the very next one. And if you sign up, I hope you enjoy it. This episode is brought to you by All Form. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you've probably heard me talk about Helix Sleep and their mattresses, which I've been using since 2017. I have two of them upstairs from where I'm sitting at this moment. Helix has gone beyond the bedroom and started making sofas. They've launched a company called Allform, A-L-L-F-O-R-M, and they're making premium, customizable sofas and chairs shipped right to your door at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. So I'm sitting in my living room right now, and it's entirely Allform furniture. I've got two chairs, I've got an ottoman, and I have an L-sectional couch. And I'll come back to that. You can pick your fabric. They're all spill, stain, and scratch resistant. The sofa color 
color of the legs, the sofa size, the shape to make sure it's perfect for you in your home. Also, Allform arrives in just three to seven days and you can assemble it all yourself in a few minutes. No tools needed. I was quite astonished by how modular and easy these things fit together, kind of like Lego pieces. They've got armchairs, love seats, all the way up to an eight seat sectional. So there's something for everyone. You can also start small and kind of build on top of it if you wanted to get a smaller couch and then build out on it, which is actually in a way what I did because I can turn my L-sectional couch into a normal straight couch and then with a separate ottoman in a matter of about 60 seconds. It's pretty rad. So I mentioned I have all of these different things in this room. I use the natural leg finish, which is their lightest color, and I dig it. I mean, I've been using these things hours and hours and hours every single day. So I am using what I am sharing with you guys. And if getting a sofa without trying it in-store sounds risky, you don't need to worry. All form sofas are delivered directly to your home with fast free shipping, and you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. That's more than three months, and if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. Your sofa frame also has a forever warranty that's literally forever. So check it out, take a look. They've got all sorts of cool stuff to choose from. I was skeptical and it actually worked. It worked much better than I could have imagined and I'm very, very happy. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash Tim. That's A-L-L-F-O-R-M.com slash Tim. Allform is offering 20% off all orders to you, my dear listeners, at allform.com slash Tim. Make sure to use the code Tim at checkout. That's allform.com slash Tim and use code Tim at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Maui Nui Venison, wildly delicious venison. Maui Nui is one of my favorite things on the entire planet. It has been for quite a while. I've been eating Maui Nui Venison for now the past three plus years, and there's no going back. My pantry and freezers are full of it. I restock every month. Why would I do this? One, if I combine Maui Nui Venison with even a little exercise, I drop body fat unbelievably quickly and Axis deer have roughly 2% body fat. It's incredibly lean. Two, it's very tender, not gamey at all, tastes delicious, and it's one of the most nutrient-dense meats on the planet. I would go so far as to say it is the most nutrient-dense meat I have ever found because of the rich volcanic soils, remarkable plant diversity, and so on, including wild grazing. So I literally, 10 minutes ago, just finished eating some leftovers of ground axis deer, this is Maui Nui venison, with some canned chili, just organic chili, beans and so on, that I put into a pan and cooked for 10 minutes. And I would rather eat that than a $500 meal in New York City, honestly. It makes me happier on a deep level to eat this, and it makes me healthier on a fundamental level. So number three, ethically, I feel great about Maui Nui protein. Axis deer are an invasive species on Maui where their population needs to be managed in order to protect vulnerable ecosystems. I think the number that was introduced was perhaps maybe six deer in 1959, something like that, and unmanaged that population could grow to, I think it's 200,000 within the next 20 years. So using stress-free harvesting methods, Maui Nui prevents environmental destruction caused by axis deer overpopulation, which literally looks like wildfire damage from helicopter. So back to the story. I love this stuff that much, should be clear. I eat it all the time. I use their dog treats for Molly. I use (laughs) 
their broth, which is second to none in terms of nutritional profile. Maui Nui's fresh venison is a nearly daily go-to for me, both as a supplement to my daily diet, that's broth, jerks, snacks, etc. that I mentioned, and through main courses like last night via their fresh meat subscription program. And the cuts are all spectacular. Leg medallions are one of my favorites. I fell in love with this company so much and the husband and wife co-founders behind it that I ended up investing. And that is a huge rarity, especially with this type of company. Tim Ferriss Show listeners can get 15% off of practically everything Maui Nui is offering by visiting MauiNuiVenison.com slash Tim. Just use code Tim at checkout. This is the first discount they have made available in more than a year, so you are getting something special, folks. That's MauiNuiVenison.com slash Tim, spelled M-A-U-I-N-U-I, Venison. MauiNuiVenison.com slash Tim, and use code Tim at checkout. You can also find the link in this episode's description.